Welcome to If the Apocalypse Comes, Beat Me, also known as Spike and Angel's name are William. This is a weekly podcast-ish about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where we take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago. This week's episode is Season 2, Episode 9, What's My Line, Part 1. We're going to be talking about characters, we're going to be talking about plot, and we're also going to be talking about cryptography. So spoilers abound for this episode, every episode before it, and after it, and possibly other shows, and probably the comics. Oh yeah. Our podcast is better than getting your throat slashed by an ice skating team. So keep on listening. That is a low bar. That's really not a very good endorsement. Good enough. Die or listen to this thing. Hey everybody, we're back. We're here to talk about season two, episode nine. What's my line part one? My name is Kelly. I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Dasha. Say hello. What's my line? Dana, say hello. What's my line? Uh, okay. It's hello. I said hello to both of you. But, oh my goodness gracious. Hi. What's my line part one? Written by Howard Gordon and Marty Knoxon. This is the only episode for Howard Gordon, but Marty Knoxon writes a couple or, or two episodes. 23 in total. Okay. I was like, two, <laughs> two were really doing that? Uh, a lot of which uh, are fan favorites. Uh, I Only Have Eyes for You is one of my favorites. The Wish and... She wrote and directed Forever, which is a fantastic episode. She also wrote and directed a lot of terrible episodes. True. What's Forever? It's the one after The Body. I love Which is a really Forever. underrated episode. And it's actually really great. Um, it's like the first time we have a real moment between Buffy and Dawn. Uh-huh. And it's directed by David Solomon, who directed a total of 19 episodes for the show. I couldn't find a nice little list of all the ones that he did, but I think they're primarily in season seven. We so reference King Solomon in this episode. Maybe they're related. Ooh, Maybe. This episode originally aired on November 17th, 1997, so to put us in the mood, set the stage, let's get these robots in here to tell us what was going on this week in 1997. Thank you, Kelly, Stacia, Delbert. Brace yourselves for impact. Here's This Week in 1997. On the 11th, Telecom Giants and 2017 Unknowns Worldcom and MCI Communications announced the $37 billion merger to form MCI Worldcom. The largest merger in U.S. history, they'd be bought by Verizon in 2003. On the 12th, Mary McAleese was elected as 8th President of Ireland, succeeding Mary Robinson, the first succession of one woman head of state for another. It'll be nice when we live in a world where these factoids aren't important to an election. And on the 13th, Ramsey Youssef was found guilty of masterminding the 1993 World Trade Center bombing that happened on February 26, 1993. The plan was for the bomb to explode in the North Tower and fall onto the South. It failed but six died and a thousand were injured. It's hard to transition from that, knowing what we know about the World Trade Center, 9-11 and the War on Terror, but Royston is in Iraq in 1997. Royston. Karen, thank you. Iraq remained defiant in the face of the United Nations condemnation. On the 14th, Baghdad expelled the American inspectors. The UN team also pulled out. President Clinton said the move is unacceptable and a challenge to the international community. I'm feeling a little exposed and overwhelmed. Okay Royston, from Iraq everyone, Lucius, let's talk tech. Thanks Karen. Web TV ads were angering websites. This needs a little explanation because you'd think we'd need to get Eleonora for no shit from 2017. Lucius, you say, ads are a scourge of the internet. Did we have a chance to change the trajectory of our online selves in 1997? Haha. Of course we didn't. We never do. Web TV was a way to surf the web on your TV, which sounds terrible, but they'd run extra ads over the ads you'd already get. Truly 1997 was a hellscape. At least now we have easy to use ad blockers and we use the internet from our magic pocket computers. In war news, the browser rivalry intensifies. Netscape, the clear winners of the browser wars of the early 1990s, led the market in the third quarter of 1997 with 57% of sales. Microsoft's forgotten Internet Explorer has made strides, doubling in nine months to 39%. At the end of 1996, Netscape controlled 73% of the market. Golden sunsets and mountains made of ice cream on the horizon for Netscape. Can you imagine a world where Internet Explorer won the browser war? What kind of god would allow that? Hattie, let's close this shiznit. This week in 1997 was Cool Beans. Let me heat those beans up and show you. 
Lisa Loeb is a firecracker. Barbara Streisand took the higher ground from the unpredictable mystical. Bad brains took refuge in the Omega Sessions from 1980. AF I begged you to shut your mouth and open your eyes while no FX bid so long and thanks for all the shoes. Looking over all of this, hate breed found satisfaction in the death of desire. In movie news, The Little Mermaid was re-released. That's sad when that's the most acclaimed of the week. The Jackal starring Bruce Willis and Richard Gere sucked and has a fat 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. The Man Who Knew Too Little Was Middling, starred Bill Murray and was a parody of Hitchcock and a remake, so there's that. Peace out. Peace indeed. Robots out. Thanks, robots. <laughs> I feel like I was there. Because I was there. Just not me now. Me from the past. That's right. So what did you guys think about this episode before we talk about the plot? I, I liked it. I, I, it's, it was fine. Good. As a whole, I remember part one and part two together. But if we're just taking part one as it is, it's a it's not as good. It's an okay episode. Okay. Well, what happened in this episode? Career day slash aptitude test day uh, turns into an existential crisis for some. And general feelings of apathy for others. Also weird, scary potential futures for some of us. Willow. Uh, a new fun assassin group is in town, the Order of Taraka, and they're here to party with ice skates, apparently, but not really. Uh, Buffy really likes ice skating, we just found out. She goes on a secret date with Angel. That's only important because a big scary dude, part of said assassin group, is here, and she cuts his throat open, which is great. Uh, and somehow we turn that into Buffy definitely can't handle this Order of Taraka. They're really, really menacing, even though she seamlessly kills one, but that's totally fine. The whole reason this is even happening is because Spike is trying to find a way to cure Drusilla. He has to do this by opening a crypt called Duloc something or other, which I'm pretty sure is the town in Shrek, but that's not important because he finds the thing, or rather vampire version of Giles, which is worse at Giles' job than Giles is, finds a way to read this codec thing that they stole a couple episodes ago in School Heart, I think. So they get the thing from Duloc, they decrypt the message, things are going to go really poorly. Also, one of these assassins is coming through in a cargo hold of an airplane, we think. But, oh, Joe K, turns out, oh, it's Kendra the Slayer! Burr, 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 burr. Here comes a new challenger! She wasn't an assassin at all. She's a, a slayer. Can you believe it? So Kendra ties up Angel, and by ties up, I mean holds in the convenient cage that Willie has at Willie's place. Hey, did you know about Willie's place? It's here. Here it is. It's Willie's place. And Angel's definitely going to turn into dust by the sun because Kendra believes that he is a vampire. Rightly, because he's, she saw him making out with it with Buffy on the ice and with his little vamp face. So that's where we leave the episode. Kendra and Buffy are fighting. We find out Kendra's a slayer. Angel is destined for certain peril via the sun. And uh, also there are assassins. One of them might be a bug person, but we don't know yet. We just get to know his name is Fister. It isn't really that all that matters that his name is Fister. A two-night event begins with a special Monday Buffy. I need to bring in the big guns. I'll take care of her once and for all. Demon bounty hunters have been summoned. These assassins, why are they after me? They could be anywhere. They could be anyone. They find a target and they eliminate it. And the Slayer never knows when they'll strike next. Buffy! A Buffy the Vampire Slayer two-night event. What do we think? What do you think about... Kendra being the Slayer. What do you think about Oz saying his first word to Willow? What is I the know. word? Oh, God. What's Oz's first word to Willow? Canapé? That's Canapé, right. Yeah. Isn't that great? Uh, it was the greatest. <laughs> I was dying. I thought um, originally when they walked into the thing that the two, I thought they were FBI agents. So I was like, this is getting weird. I don't remember anything about I this. Too. I thought, I didn't know that Oz was already going to be sitting on the couch so they were like we have somebody else or there's only one other person that did it and then they like opened up the thing and i was like oh there's no one there and then they left i was like what the fuck is happening oh it's us behind already here why didn't you see him when she walked in anyways loved it <laughs> loved it i can't wait for them to like talk more have an actual conversation and not just say the word canopy each other I thought it was fbi too because like what software company is like we need to be so discreet and alarming and have like Send out this envoy Google? to a fucking high school. Apple? <laughs> well, it wouldn't be Google at the time, but yeah, Apple could But be, also, okay. they would just have a booth like everyone else. What's up with like taking yeah, off an entire enclave of this? It's like <laughs> behind black curtains with Unless shrimp and shit. Get out of here. You abducted by suited people and taken into a room with curtains and canapes? What? 
I know, right? It Does that know. happen? What? <laughs> she just gave what you were abducted by <laughs> yeah. suited people. <laughs> it, was I? Yeah. Why would I be? Well, that's what I'm saying. Why I'm would not anyone smart be? Like Willow. <laughs> Aww. I'm just saying, if you we're all smart, you yeah. or no or anyone you've loved has ever been abducted by suited people and taken to a special room with canapes. We can't talk about that. All right, it's true. So maybe this does happen, but nevertheless. What else happened in this episode? Yeah, this, was a, this was a crazy episode. It was, uh, you know, obviously it's characters are friends dealing with fate, dealing with their futures and what they see for themselves. And it's kind of great for us because we know what their futures are. We know that Buffy is destined to save the world and die and Again. continue onward and do her thing. And then we know that like, Xander is going to have a rough time just making it through life. Willow's going to not really take this route. She's going to go... A lot of different directions too. I mean, that's the whole thing. Life is not really planned. Although maybe Buffy really should have been a police officer in the season nine comics. I believe Buffy is working for the San Francisco police, and yeah, uh, Willow is some kind of software person. Being a Slayer is a full time job. Yeah, well, and I mean, Angel really... has the best. <laughs> yeah, Angel's the job. Got it. She... Uh, and really, Buffy could have done that that's too. That's it. Buffy could have done that too. That would have been too. fine too. She yeah. could yeah, do she that too done if done she too. wanted to. Yeah, and Jessica Jones, like, that's her whole thing. Like, that She's makes sense. Eye, yeah. Just be a private eye. Yeah. But in the end, Buffy's going to hustle. She's going to do her thing. Exactly. She's going to be fine. That part is not really that. I don't want I don't want Buffy to, like, have to struggle to survive. <laughs> and, like, I got to go to work. And then I got to go. Like, you already did the school thing. I'm over. She gets whatever. to be a guidance counselor. I think the point no is that she didn't have a future. And then, like, at the end with Kendra, it's she like. She has one. Maybe. She has one. It's like, oh, well, you can just be my. You can just be me. Yeah. You're Kendra the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. That means I'm just Buffy at Summers again. Cool. Maybe I can go live my own life. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that was effective. I like that a lot. I've been cranky, Miss, all day. It's not you. Well, what is it then? It's nothing. Uh, we're having this thing at school. Career week. How did you know? I lurk. Right. Well, then you know it's a whole week of what's my line only. I don't get to play. I don't know much about Kendra. I liked the whole intro. I like fighting um, Angel. Yeah, it was really just trying to watch it where I don't know who that is. It's cool. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Well, what? This person came out of nowhere. Kendra throws into relief how what Buffy is doing is not what a, a traditional vampire slayer should be doing. Like, she's dating a vampire. Mm-hmm. She. Yeah. Has all these unorthodox methods, and that's why eventually she like clashes with the council, and it doesn't work because yeah. she doesn't do what Kendra does. She doesn't do what the Slayer before Buffy does, and like the difference is Buffy like dies but comes back, but like she doesn't die. Like she continues to fight and keep going, whereas Kendra has a very short tenure as Slayer. Yeah, yeah. Because she's following the book, she doesn't have all the resources that Buffy has. That's what I mean. Her being a cop, she would be she would be off the books. No, that she makes sense. Why um, fired? Kendra would immediately think that Buffy's something's bad has happened. Mm-hmm. There's a vampire. Like even if she doesn't know who Buffy is. Yeah. Well, like, you guys brought that up too. And well, like she our, doesn't. Our old episode where you guys explained everything to me. It's like we talked a lot about how, who she is and what she would have been taught and like you're taught this whole your whole life that there are vampires 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 you might have never really fought one before or maybe a few a couple weird demons down hanging out in south america wherever she's from or africa where is she from yeah we make we don't know. in the caribbean, caribbean, yeah. caribbean we make okay. a point not to say where because that accent is awful not real it's not it's poor beyond awesome yeah and 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 also like her just talking like that I, it was unfortunate because you're just like you're expendable like it's you you know that that's she's not going to become Kendra the Vampire Slayer and that everything's over. You know some shit's about to go down. Made you a joke and, and just, it's fucking terrible. And that that part is, is terrible. But but I think that her actions do make sense where you're like, this girl's making out with a fucking vampire. Like, shit has gone wrong over yeah. here. I need to fix this. And she pretty much hands Angel his ass. Like, she, she does. does a good job. Which makes it even more sad that she doesn't get a longer run. I agree. I thought it could have been She's interesting. She's from Jamaica. Jamaica, okay. Hmm. It's never. I don't think it's ever explicitly said though. Either way, uh, but you know Willie's place, Willie's place. That's where Angel gets locked up. Kendra does her do. Then yeah, Angel had a weird point. arc in this episode. I mean, it's a lot of like weird. Uh, you know, Buffy's pining and staying in Angel's house, and 
you know, they have a whole thing. I mean, we, we open on Angel in Buffy's room. Yes. Holding her, her fucking pig. What's the pig's name? Mr. Gordo. Mr. Which Gordo. Which I couldn't remember if this was the first time we see him or not. I feel like it is. Definitely the first mention of Mr. Gordo. I don't remember that. So, speaking of a couple of, of firsts, the Mr. Gordo, I think, might be a first. But I can't 100% confirm that. Uh, Scooby Gang, Daniel's favorite he, thing. No, yeah, he said it. I was shocked by that. I said for the first time by Xander. You want to be a member of the Scooby Gang? You get to, you got to be willing to be inconvenienced every now and then. So, there you go, Xander to Cordelia, Scooby Gang, first time. First I didn't time hear see, I just heard at. <laughs> in your head, it just went mm-hmm. Slayerettes. Beep. <laughs> the first time we ever see another Slayer, especially yeah, we will, yeah, Slayer totally, lifetime, totally, yeah. which is pretty great. Willow's Fear of Frogs, which we'll revisit. Uh, I don't know if we do it again multiple times throughout the show, but at least one time explicitly in, uh, I can't remember the name, Graduation Day Part 1, I believe. She's having a little dream, and Oz wakes her up because she's dreaming about Man, if it's Graduation Day Part 2, you're going to look so dumb. It might be Part 2. It's when they have sex for the first time, either way. Oh my god. Spoiler alert. I know. Willie's Place for the first time, also Willie for the first time. And Oz says something to Willow for the first time ever. Yeah. So, wonderful. Pretty great firsts. Yeah, that uh, this was like an impromptu, not great time to do this. It wasn't. Do I deconstruct your segues? Uh-huh. Buffy is talking to Angel and says that she wants a normal life. And that's the hammer of this entire episode. Normal life, what is normalcy? But Angel, instead of being a fucking normal person, or even like a boyfriend, whatever, even Buffy's like, he's my boyfriend. Okay, then, a regular kid and her cradle robin creature of the night boyfriend. Uh, be a supportive boyfriend and I don't know just like listen and don't make it all about you because what's what does he say he says uh, I wanted a normal life and then he just pouts I mean this is after the first or second pout of the night this is <laughs> pout three I think and he goes before me and she's like no but really yes I wish none of this happened I wish I didn't burn down my school I wish there wasn't a hellmouth. I wish I never met you I mean that's Okay. Well, look, that's when it gets really dark. Because then it's like, I w- in a way, it's like I wish I never went down this road. Yeah. But I wouldn't take it back. I don't want to like lose, you know, Xander and Willow and all my friends. But well, Buffy's in the tailspin. She's like, I just I realized that this is my life forever. Like yeah. I don't get to be a florist. I don't get to do anything. Oh, nice. This is my life. And or a curator and... like her mom, <laughs> I mean. supposedly. And you don't have to whisper. Mom's in LA till Thursday. Aren't buying or something. <laughs> she's in LA for three days we don't have to be quiet yep uh, but like I'm, I'm surprised they just didn't like have sex that night or whatever gotta mm-hmm. wait for another episode to do that oh, in a yeah. sense right that's coming up oh so. yeah okay. um, but we instead of instead of Angel listening or being comforting in any way he just uses that opportunity to talk about himself yeah he, the whole thing was really weird so she's flipping out and he's just like Oh, this is about me, though, right? You can't be normal or have a good time because it's me. And then she comforts him. And we never, like... Buffy never has an outlet for any of this shit. No. She doesn't want to burden her friends with it. And she doesn't... I don't know. But she she doesn't also... She doesn't burden her friends with it. I mean, like, her and Willow talk about it like it's a soap opera. Like, it's a show that they're, like, indulging each other in. Well, they really keep it lighthearted. And we don't super touch on it again, actually, until way later in the third season. And they're talking about colleges they're going to. Yeah. And she's like, I'll never go anywhere else. Yeah. And Willow's like, I have the opportunity to go to literally fucking anywhere because I'm, I'm a genius. But I'm going to go to UC Sunnydale because you're my friend. But even Buffy understands the weirdness because doesn't she call Angel a cradle robbing uh, in the night vampire boyfriend? Oh, yeah. Cradle robbing creature of the night boyfriend. Yeah. Right? Like if I heard that as Angel, I'd just be like, ah, yikes. I gotta go. I gotta reevaluate my shit. Meanwhile, he's like, but, but he's he like, already knows that's right. that. Right? I am a cradle robber because we had the um, episode where he calls Xander just a kid, and then Buffy's like, "What does that make me?" Mm-hmm. Episode two, right now, the season, yeah, and it gets even worse because now Buffy's going to his house. We understand where we're going because we've already watched the show before. It just seems so inevitable, but it seems so, um, you know, she could have reversed this at any point or. Yeah. Done different things. Oh, what makes you do the wacky? Oh, Jesus. I mean, they've been dating, I guess, six-ish months of fish. It's like, right? He's an old man. As much as, as much as an old man can date a minor. 
Uh, <laughs> which is none, by the way. America, which is none. none. No. You've been to his house by yourself. This is the first time. Do you go to sleep in the bed? Like, is that your first move? I feel like I feel like I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't be like, okay, we're not that close. We don't live together. I haven't been here before, really. Yeah, and it could be like a freaky vampire bed. You don't even know what's going on. Freaky maybe how, how, you don't know how they. Well, sleep. it also kind of looks like maybe he doesn't have any other furniture. Also, more importantly, like she very... puts her fucking shoes in his bed. Well, if I was her, I would do the same thing. If I was in a weird situation like that, and I just happen to, I have to sleep here. She looked real tired, by the way. She does. She's like, I just need to sleep. I would have, if she covered herself in the covers, then we have problems. But shoes, shoes on. Don't care. Yeah, totally. I would she, just. But she was still kind of under the covers. Like she, she, was, didn't, she didn't go cover under. herself. But she didn't move the blankets back. Mm-hmm. The blankets. She were was back. touching. The blankets were fitted sheets. She was touching fitted sheet with her shoes. Well, you have to. It wasn't no. like it wasn't. No, it wasn't a made bed. It was a bed that was had been open. So she got into I the know. spot that Angel was in You're and just kind of curled up. Well, I guess what else are you gonna do? Buffy's not the Sleep only on monster the here, Daniel. This is lemonade. What are you gonna do? <laughs> I mean, I would have stayed on the off. couch. I would have sat on the couch and just waited. I just want to know that he has other furniture. I thought he does because aren't there episodes where they hang out there a couple more times? I think mm-hmm. he has a couch. We transition to the mansion as soon as I think Angel's we becomes only a thing. see yeah, yeah Angel's. That's fair apartment again when they have sex yeah and then it's over yeah i like his apartment and, the and they were in the bed again then yeah i mean it looked like it was like a cement room with a bed and a fridge probably yeah. full of blood no windows which makes sense because and also it's underground yeah i think i might maybe complete conflating some episodes of angel too where we kind of see as a it was like, like a nice a, apartment yeah there's an apartment yeah. there and he has like a fridge full of there's blood in there and so i yeah. thought well, what am I think, seeing here? What's happening? But yeah, maybe I'm just completely wrong. But no, if I was going to lay in a bed, I would lay exactly how she did. Man, good to know. Yeah. Well, I mean, what are you going to do? Take it's your like, fucking shoes off. But I think that it's more just I want to be ready for when he does show up. And if she took her for shoes what? off, then... Well, no, just to be like, I want to talk to you. I have to... I'm here. Like, you're going to wake me up, and I'm going to wake up, and then if the shit goes sour, I can just walk out. Or, if a fucking other vampire slayer attacks me, I'm ready to fucking go. <laughs> so it turns good. out, you guys are wrong. She was ready to go. Ready to kick some ass. So, me and Buffy, thinking on the same same wavelength there. So what do we think about the ice skating scene? Which, have we brought up that her love of ice skating before this episode? I think we've done the ice capades thing already. Yeah, Because her dad was supposed to visit Nightmares, and she said... He was taking her ice capades. Okay. Was this part of your normal life? Oh my gosh. My Dorothy Hamill phase. And that happens again in next year's, or this year's birthday episode. This season's birthday episode, he's supposed to come uh, for a birthday, but instead he sends flowers and okay. tickets to the escapades, but she does not go because chaos ensues with the judge. Anyway. When was the last time you put on your skates? <laughs> About a couple of hundred demons ago. There's a rink out past Route 17. Closed on Tuesdays. Tomorrow's Tuesday. I know. I enjoyed her skating around. I liked that. It just seemed like a really random touch. Mm-hmm. I think it was definitely like, hey, we know that Sarah Michelle Gellar can ice skate, kind of. Let's just do that. And it was her, which was yeah, nice. For sure, it was. It was. Like, cool, yeah. okay. Yeah. I, I mean, it was kind of fun to see another location. But again, it just throws into the whole continuity of Sunnydale. Like, you have to have Where like a fairly large mm-hmm. city, city to, to have an ice skating, ice skating rink. And she full on broke in, right? They broke in. That's another thing. <laughs> Absolutely broke in. Breaking in well, ring as a date. It's yeah. it's okay. So this is weird, right? Because it appears to be it's an ice skating rink that's an ice skating rink and not in the middle of a mall, which mm-hmm. tends to be really popular. Like oh. the ones that are. Oh yeah, yeah. Portland. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, like, it'll be in the center of the mall, like at Lloyd Center or something, where mm-hmm. you can watch, and Clackamas Town Center used to have it, but they don't anymore. But not like an ice rink proper, where, like, hockey teams practice, and where you, like, go to... Well, they do yeah. practices in the morning and stuff. In the mall, too? Yeah, in the mall. Oh, no kidding. But not, um, but yeah, then for the rest of the day, it's usually just people shopping or whatever, like, oh, might as well See, where I played when I was doing hockey, it, it was like that, but it, I mean, here it was, like, only, there were, like, bleachers, <laughs> yeah. and then an ice skating rink, and, like... A building around it. Yeah, it was like so the this most was like basic a dedicated ice skating rink. Right. Yeah. So it's in the middle of the day. It sounded like the way Buffy Is said it? it. I don't I, think it's. I think they were meeting Angel's later, scary, and they, she right? did leave because they were well, all going to. Weren't they at school in the middle of the day? And the Buffy was like, "I gotta go." It was towards the end of the day. I think. It was. Yeah. It was towards the end of the day, and I can assume that she would probably go. And we're talking about near winter. This so the sun probably went down around five ish anyway. In California, yeah, even that's in California. south now. Yeah, I think so. 
Anyway. Well, it's November. The time doesn't match up. I, I also, I think it's later. I think that she left basically at the end of the day. Hey, we're going to hunker in to do some research at night. Right. Yeah, I got to go. School day. And that's sort of it. So it's like, I'm leaving at five, but then I'm going to go home, make myself a sandwich, <laughs> hang out because my mom's not home, watching TV, like all this stuff that you never think of Buffy actually doing. She's probably like, oh, got some time to kill before I go on a date, breaking in the ring. I just never thought it was like super late at night. And it seems like otherwise, if you had an ice skating rink, you'd want it open like after school for people yeah. to come. Amen. It that's what makes it stupid. PM. Which and seems early for it to be If you're a full-time closed, rink, you got to be open. And it's definitely closed. Oh, and that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> you know that place. It closed on Tuesdays. Like, again, you're you're operating as if this is like a town that is big enough to operate a full-time, a skating. full-time skating rink. But then also small enough to have that as a local business where that day they're taking it off. You know, that weird like... Uh, well, mom and pop Sal's got to go because his mom's sick, so we're closing down the ice skating. Or that mom and pop sh- store. There's plenty of stores out, even in Portland here, where it's like, they're small enough where it's like, okay, our hours are, we work the weekends, but we're off on Monday and Tuesday. Right, yeah. And that's the type of thing where it's like, you can't really have both. Ooh, that's a good point. Especially with a huge rink, though. Yeah. It doesn't really make a lot of so sense. So it could have just been like the day that they take off. Yes, if you want to believe that that it's like big enough and small enough at the same time, not only to have one. Because to operate that, that's expensive. Oh, yeah. Because the place where I went to do, there were two. One of them was always a hockey rink. The other was half, sometimes a hockey rink. It would usually be the kids playing hockey, and they could just easily take off the... Because you don't have to have, like, real equipment there. You just kind of put up a little goal and then sort of take it down. Um, But there was two rinks, and one of them was always just for people to play on and people to pay, and you sort of go on if there's not, like, a little game going on. But you are always running either a a team thing or you're running people doing it because it's so expensive i would imagine operating costs just for the like keeping that rink frozen yes and and well and, and yeah, the there's no way clackamas town center in portland it used to have an ice skating rink and they removed it because it was so expensive to keep mm-hmm. it up and because it was ruining the foundation because sure. i guess having the ice is like a really like maintenance heavy thing thereby securing a place for myself in the geek hall of fame in manassas they have one outside and this is in virginia in Northern Virginia. And so it gets cold enough in the winter, but they're operating hours recently because their winters have been so mild over the last, you know, five, ten years. Global warming. Global warming. <laughs> you just get these nice winters where, you know, to operate, you know, a 50-degree night and to have an ice skating rink in downtown, you know, Old Town Manassas, it's, they just wouldn't do it. They would only do it when it hit a specific temperature, which makes complete sense for an outdoor rink in the south tangentially the south it costs a fuck ton of money to run this stuff and you have to have people paying and then buffy summers just gets to break an inner and skate around and murder somebody are they taking that body out because if that body is found i mean again you would think there would be a police thing you would think there would be an investigation but of course sunnydale none of that happens (laughs) we never talk about it again dispose of it we have a fun joke in season three about that do we ever see the skating rink again after this no No. okay so there you go (laughs) Sure. So is everything no. we need to know. Yeah. The uh, didn't that happen in a hockey game? There's like a video of someone accidentally got their throat slit. It's so yeah. fucking scary. Oof. The part of the passion. Oh wow! Uh, watch Malarchuk. That's the story right now with our uh, red. Oh, look at that. It looked like one of these uh, Friday the 13th where the blood comes squirting out. He had his hand on his throat, and in one split second, there was a three-foot puddle of blood in front of him. Soon to be five. Feet. More than hearing, I, I just remember the looks and the horror in people's faces and their eyes. Their eyes were big as saucers. Clint Malarchuk's anterior carotid artery had been accidentally severed by Steve Tuttle's skate. Players watched in horror as blood spurted from the saber goalie's wound. And I started banging on the glass and tried to get the doctors out on the ice, someone to get on the ice because I feared the worst that he wasn't going to be with us for very long. The Sabres training staff raced onto the ice to reach Malarchuk before time ran out. It was horrendous. It was like watching your kid die. So she could totally do that to him, yeah. I mean, 
that would take a lot. She really did. Well, she her. wasn't wearing hockey <laughs> skates. She was right. wearing figure skating skates. Figure skating skates, which aren't sharp like that. Yeah, and you also yeah. wouldn't think that she would have even sharpened them to the degree well, that I they mean, would have been sharpened. They, like they get sharpened, but not like hockey skates. Hockey skates. Yeah, but also if she hadn't used them, and they those were hers, we assume. She's yeah. not like stealing. I mean, she did. Well, I mean, those were definitely steal. not rental brown. <laughs> right. So she does she just sharpen them on the side because they lose it at all if they just sit in the closet. So it's like you're not gonna. Did Angel skate? Did I block that out? Never skated. No, I no. think he was just wearing shoes. He never intended to skate. He was trying to. This is Did how you much even I support imagine you? him skating. That's why I was like, it's like that scene in Angel when he dances, and you're like, that's no, weird. No, no. Yeah, please don't do that. It's like seeing a teacher outside of school watching a cat walk on its hind legs. Don't you live there? At school? Buffy. You scared me. Now you know what it feels like, stealth guy. So the Order of Taraka, we are told, is this really powerful group of assassins that are unending and unyielding. They'll come at you, and they're specialized, and they won't stop until they, they reach their goal. Buffy dispatches leather-clad bozo at the ice rink with no problem. She takes him down like any other demon she would take down. And then only becomes afraid of them when Giles puts the fucking fear of God. Well, a combo of Angel and Giles. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't understand why they immediately... I get it because by reputation they're supposed to be really scary, but obviously she already killed one. No problem. Like, So making her stress to the point of she's suspicious of literally everything and everyone walking through the halls of school. Well, it's yeah, it didn't scary. seem like to me that it wasn't that she couldn't kill one of them, but that she can't kill all of them because mm. they never end. And so when that's the problem is like eventually one of them will get you because with all the shit can't. we also deal with, these people are never ending. Yeah. It's going to be like and who just knows keep if they come coming at the same and keep time. coming and keep coming and you'll never know when another attack is happening. Like something else could already have you on the ropes and here comes And then here comes assassin number 800 on yeah. the bus just riding in from <laughs> And so like the Port best thing means. to do when this like order is coming after you is to just ghost but so they can't find you. While that's completely true, I think when you know Giles is like, "Oh, I feel bad." And Xander's like, "Yeah, you fucking instilled the fear of God into yeah. her like she ran away." Completely legit as well. It's yeah. like you can you can impress upon Buffy the importance of this I order mean, he, without doing what he you should were doing. definitely underline like this is not the end of it, but he didn't need to and it's, scare her. Like and that. it's like having these two episodes back to back too, like where you're watching the Dark Age and then you go right to this. Like Giles is kind of coming unhinged. Like it's not just like a a day to day thing. This guy is losing his mind a bit. He and doubled I like down. It. it feels like he was like, oh shit, you saw this really bad side of me. And now I'm just going to be this crazy enforcer. You do what I say. Did anyone ever tell you you're kind of a fuddy-duddy? Nobody ever seems to tell me anything else. Did anyone ever tell you you're kind of a sexy fuddy-duddy? No, actually, that that part usually gets left out. I can't can't imagine why. Well, I like it because it it almost reinforces that Jenny's not talking to him still. And, like, he's still, like, really stressed out about it. And we are, as an audience, like, is Jenny going to be in this episode? And we don't see it. So then we're like, uh. And then he's like, shut up. You know, when he tells, like, Willow to shut up the first time, it's funny. Willow, do shut up. Because it's just like, you're talking too much, Willow. It was great. It was a fun moment. There was no real tension that, you know, him that her, him saying it before didn't really matter. But this one was like, there is business to be done, Xander. Thank you for the quips, but we're done. And when he said that, I was pretty shocked. I was like, oh, man, that's... That's not the Giles that we know. So things are serious. Compassionate Giles. Yeah. What does Xander say? He's making a joke about the mail or something? Something dumb. He just made a lot of jokes. He just said, literally, his entire role sitting there in that chair was just a crackhead joke after everything everyone said. It's true. That's all he did this episode, actually, was just tell jokes. It was great. <laughs> like, He's been Xander, pretty sidelined just... in the last two episodes, which is nice. But yeah, also, nice. Willow has a little bit, too, which is less nice. Well, Willow had enough in, in the Dark Age to propel That's true. the plot forward. Because Xander, again, was telling jokes, and she had to break down and be like, shut up, both of you. I'm taking jokes. Stop fighting. Stop joking. We got to do this for our friends. This. Yes. Ah, aha. It's not Egyptian. It's Etruscan, mistaken for Egyptian by the design pattern. But any fool can see it predates their iconology. So the other thing that happens in this episode is that Spike's desperately searching for, like, a codex thing to decipher the book that he had stolen in, I believe, School Hard. To cure Drusilla, again, from some mysterious thing that doesn't make sense that should affect vampires in the first place. But here we are. She's I got thought a bunch that of was the book too. that was um, 
stolen by that guy in Lie to Me. Right? The blonde, yeah, the blonde yeah, the blonde vampire. Yeah, to... from the previous episode. Oh, You're right. wow. yeah, never mind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. Nice. So, from Lie to Me. Clutch. That's from right. one, <laughs> two episodes ago. Yes. There you go. No worries. We're close to decoding the manuscript. We just need a bit more time. Time is ours. It brings the Slayer closer to them. We're going to talk about cryptography, which is the study of codes and ciphers, which are the things that you use to read codes, right? Ciphers? See, I didn't even look up enough. Anyway, Here we go. It's the use of codes and ciphers to protect secrets. It began thousands of years ago. Prior to the last hundred years or so, the methods of encryption involved pen and paper were simple mechanical aids. The early 20th century brought the inventions of complex mechanical and electromechanical machines, such as the Enigma rotor machine. Electronic computing has allowed elaborate schemes of even greater complexity. Cryptanalysis is the breaking of codes and ciphers and has unsurprisingly been around just as long. So we have cryptography, which is making the codes so that you can pass messages with your friends. And then cryptanalysis is breaking the codes so that people can know what you're saying that aren't supposed to know. Like Alan Turing. There you go, like Alan Turing. Cryptanalysis, specifically frequency analysis, which is something we'll get into in a second, uh, allowed the reading of encrypted telegrams, which was something that the U.S. was able. Some Zimmerman did something. Did the, the Zimmerman, Zimmerman telegram? Zimmerman. Yeah, that was decrypted that through was in World War One. Cryptanalysis allowed us to enter the World War apparently because of the Zimmerman no, telegram the, or something. The, whatever. Germany was wanted to get Mexico to start a war with America to draw their forces oh. there. And then there would be a quid, you know, sort of, we would ally basically Mexico and so gotcha. Well, Mexico since we like, were able nope. <laughs> to <laughs> decipher this Zimmerman telegram, that didn't happen, which is good. And in world war two, uh, the use of cryptanalysis supposedly shortened the word, the war by like two years approximately somehow, because they were able to decipher Privileged encrypted communications. So well, there's also they they were already uh, decrypting U-boats in World War One, but they also didn't want the Germans to know. So it became one of those weird cat and mouse ones where you knew that they were going to be there, but you almost needed them to do something to because you didn't want to show that you knew that they were there. So you oh. then show up right when they're about to do something, or you don't know exactly what they're going to do, but you know they'll be there. So yeah, I think like the early ages, you know, from basically between those two wars. There hasn't really been. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff now with the internet and everything oh, right, like yeah. that. But back then, you didn't want to overplay your hand because you wanted to do it and you wanted to be strategic about how you deployed that information instead of just, you know, crushing one U-boat. But then now all the U-boats know that you know the code, right. so they change it, and then you have to start from scratch. So yeah, things are completely different than they were a mm-hmm. uh, hundred-ish years ago. Well, they were using those just radio signals, so they mm-hmm. they were using the British wavelengths because they would surface and then there's nothing there but the british 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 and it'll go over to germany you know just the way radio waves go so yeah now we rely on satellites and you don't ever have to hit mainland you know if there was a u-boat war today germany would pop up and go right for the satellite and it would Mm. never go so you gotta break that satellite and do all that crazy shit which is nuts yeah in and of itself now it's all coding and computers it's not so much but also like radio waves are so simple it's so crazy that you can break that and like have these codecs yeah. and stuff like that is fascinating just with the elementalness of that technology. And then it feels so vast with like in space. You're just like, how do you even like, where do you even start? Because mm-hmm. how, how do you even grab that signal to start? I don't know. It's Science, nuts, man. Yeah. Well, we're not talking about that. We're not talking, we're about, talking about, that. about some medieval stuff. <laughs> Clay tablets. <laughs> like clay tablets. <laughs> clay tablets dating back to 1500 BCE was found with an encrypted recipe for pottery glaze that probably would have been valuable. <laughs> encrypted. Can you imagine if Pottery Barn like encrypted their like <laughs> sales well, and stuff like made. that? I mean, I guess we kind of do. You got to like sign up for shit. That's an encryption level. Yeah. Got to type in this email address with an ad and a dot com at the end that they recognize. You're decrypting right there to get your deal on your... (laughs) 20% off. 20% off your budget. Hebrew scholars started making use of monoalphabetic substitution ciphers around 500-600 BCE. Um, So monoalphabetic substitution ciphers are pretty much what they sound like in that you take like the letter A, for instance, and in your cipher, it's letter K. 
Yeah. Or whatever. So everything you write is going to be a jumble of that. It's kind of like making up your own Lego as you're a little kid. It's just like simple substitution is what that is. The Spartan military would use a skittily, which is a piece of wood that you would wrap a thin strip of paper around to reveal the message. So you would take this really thin, like widthwise uh, piece of paper and write your characters vertically on it. And when you wrapped it around this one piece of wood that was made specifically for it, it would reveal the message horizontally. This, uh, there was like a codex thing. Did you guys ever watch or read uh, Da Vinci Code? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they had that thing, thing where mm-hmm. you couldn't break it because it would destroy the message and you have to like yeah do all that stuff. Oh, this is a much more yeah. simplified version Simple, of yeah, that. Yeah. Same kind of thing. We're moving through history. I get it. The invention of the... Also, it's not real. So. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the invention of the frequency frequency analysis technique for breaking monoalphabetic substitution ciphers by Arab mathematician Al-Kindi around 800 CE proved to be the single most significant cryptanalytic advancement until World War II. So that means that he was like, oh, hey, when you see these letters together, you can kind of figure out that's the word they meant because you can see the pattern of it. Frequency analysis, right? Homophonic substitution ciphers used by the Duke of Mantua in the 1400s where a single letter is replaced by multiple symbols was a lot harder to crack because that's some other shit. How would you, the three symbols, well, though, I guess if you, you know, everything can be broken. That's why as long as there have been cryptologists, there have been cryptanalysis. Ciphers remained vulnerable until polyalphabetical ciphers were developed in which multiple cipher alphabets were used. So they would write these giant tables with multiple alphabets at the same time to use, but even that could be decipher it at some point because everything can be broken so they've been using that kind of secret message system for a long time codes and ciphers what's up nothing well you don't have a nothing face you have a something face let's get back into buffy oh, oh my yeah, god yeah. i forgot what we were doing no, i was lost in ciphers and codes oh my gosh did anybody learn anything from this episode do you feel like a better new person did you grow or change I would answer you, but you couldn't break the cryptograph. That's fair. Did you learn anything, Stacia? Did you grow or change? I learned two things. Um, one, codes can always be broken. Hey. And hey. two, I that before. don't make out on ice skating rinks. Yeah. Ooh, oh, God, yeah. Everyone's going to see you. Or just the one person you don't want to see you. Don't yeah. break in the ice. Don't do it. Just don't do it. That's true. Ice skating rinks are for ice skating. Rinks. Not for making out. Not for making out. Not for kissing. I learned that you should always assume there's a secret way to answer a test that is ultimately more revealing about you as a person. This is the entire plot of the movie Debs, which I love. Uh, Door-to-door salespeople are most likely assassins. And it's probable that someone left a door window unlocked. So make sure before you commit your next B&E that you check the doors and windows so you don't have to damage anybody's property. There you go. Always good advice. Break and enter responsibly. Okay, are you ready? Really fast. We're going to yell stuff at each other. We're ready? Going. Ready? Ready? Daniel, go. You're not going to be young forever, but I'll always be stupid. Sandra Harris. How did you know? I lurk. That's right. Oh, God. Okay. 314 in the background of a wall in the cafeteria. 314 is going to matter in season four. Go. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, Xander, spot on, says Cordelia Chase, always willing to give a helping hand to the rich and the pretty. Principal Snyder being right on with his um, mm. sentence. Whatever comes out of your mouth is a meaningless waste. An airborne toxic event. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. Oh, the uh, not as good Giles vampire. His name is Dalton. He's gonna matter. Not really. He'll be. He'll be around. Okay. Is murder always a crime? Yes. Stacia. Is it Slade or Slew? Both. <laughs> <laughs> How many kids go to the Sunnyvale High that Xander needs to flip to the second page of an alphabetical list wherein H is the top of his section of the list and his name is Harris? Do I like shrubs? That's between you and your god. <laughs> I came down on the side of shrubs. Yay, go shrubs. Yay! I have frog fear. Buffy brings up the whole nine yards, so I looked it up. The origins are unknown. We don't actually know. Yale University librarian Fred Shapiro. It's the most prominent etymological riddle of our time. This is for you to solve, Kelly. Nice. I love etymology. Uh, the phrase was introduced into the national audience with Elaine Shepard's 1967 Vietnam novel called The Doom Pussy. Oh. I think most people think that it most commonly refers to uh, World War II aircraft machine gun belts were nine yards long. Oh. So when you're given it the full nine yards, you're Whoa. given it all you got, essentially. You know, everything that you have. So. I always just assumed it was a football thing. I thought it was a golf thing. Like, when, yeah. when she first said it, I was like, oh, that's a nine, but nine holes. Right. I never even thought about it. The machine gun belt thing is probably... Yeah, because nine yards doesn't really make a lot of sense. No. It's like, get to the one yard line to then have the next play. So, fail? 
fail. But every time I hear yarns, I think the same thing. I was like, oh, it's got to be a football thing. No, no. I am Kendra, the vampire slayer. <laughs> Willow's wearing a flower print coat and a choker. Her fashion is relevant today. She didn't even know. She didn't even know. Re-relevant. Nope. Yeah, re-relevant. Note to self, religion, freaky. Oh, what the fuck was Buffy's crouch move to get to the end of the ring? She just like made herself fall over for no reason before she popped up and Angel was there. In the ice rink, do you remember that? She was like went down to a crouch position yeah. and then just kind of fell over. Oz just like really ran up on Buffy. Like let's just, he was going to hit her. Yeah. He was going to run right into her. That's true. And then I like him at the end. It's like, that's an intense person. Oh, yeah. Uh, but again, the, what are you doing, Ross? The like, older, I'm assuming, teacher running through the hallway with that switchblade comb like aggressively oh, through his hair was that it. necessary was that I necessary <laughs> i got scared when like the person opened up the door and it sounded like a gunshot i was like oh no yeah and then i realized what was happening but man everyone was staring her down oh lush beautiful skincare and cosmetics lush is really a beauty company now i wonder if they oh, were a no. thing then too and just evolved into this thing right no probably not do you know no one even i don't know okay nuts uh xander brings up locker room talk so oh, yeah. That was, uh, that was well, and I actually just watched the thing about how pervasive, you know, that is on, you know, it's just like a stereotypical, um, you know, TV trope where you have like the Jack Donaghy's of the world and the Big Bang Theory people. And mm-hmm. it's like you just normalize this behavior. Xander would definitely be one of those characters that's just kind of like going with that flow yeah. and totally wouldn't question or stop or, or stop yeah. or anything like that. So, yeah, it's true. Oh, Angel's weak as fuck. How can he not get out of that cage at Willie's place? Oh, my God. In yeah, lie to me, it took like four vampires to break down a solid steel bunker door. That's right. And he's like, oh, this chicken wire cage. <laughs> it also out. felt like he wasn't even starting to try until the sun was like on him. Because that second shot, we saw, he never even like really tried. Then the next time we come to him, <laughs> sun's almost there. And then he's like, yeah, I'll try it. Oh, it's not working. Cool. <laughs> I'm done. Me too. Nice. All right. Let's rank this sucker. Willow Hacks. Slash we talked about the net. Five out of ten. Because computers are seen but not used. So you know. Were they? Never used? Nope. See them but not use them. Willow is asleep on a computer. But also Willow. Do we? Do, does it not get an extra point for Willow? That's true. She was using the computer. <laughs> I probably have to rethink this. And then also she was like um, the elite computer industry wants willow that's true that's like but she doesn't do any hacking i understand that your math is already set and you're not allowed to change but it is adding you know maybe one or two points so joyce five out of ten absentee parent is absentee she gets a five she's in la with a potential buyer so doing that la thing she is like Banging all the te- all the bills. That's what she's doing <laughs> right. in L.A. Dreaming so. about bills. Dreaming about bills. Don't worry about it. I was dreaming about bills. Big Bad Slash Monster of the Week, 7 out of 10. Order of Taraka. The idea of, you know, endless amount of unyielding specialized assassins is cool. But all we get is a big guy with a leather vest and some glimpses of Fister. But we don't actually see him be a worm guy. So. Yeah, I liked him, though. He That's was... his name? Yeah. Randall Fister? Randy Fister? Oh, no, Randall I hope it's not Fister. Randy Fister. What is his name? That's someone else. <laughs> yes, sir. Fister reporting for duty. Please assume the position. Randy Fister. I did like the maggots or whatever, like, crawling into yeah. us. I mean, the arm thing was rough. That's fine. But it, we don't cheap full show. on, like... It, we don't get the whole scope of it until the next one, so I feel like it doesn't quite count. I literally have no idea what's going to come. I'm so excited. I mean, he turns into bugs. Why are you spoiling my life? <laughs> Norman Fister. <laughs> Norman. That's worse, somehow. <laughs> somehow. Randall's and Norman's. Um, His brother's name is Randall. Mr. Fister, if you're... Mr. Fister, That's my brother's name. Oh, my God. Relationship goodness or badness, everyone researches to help Buffy. Angel and Buffy get to go on a date, and Oz and Willow meet. So that one's pretty high. I didn't actually... But Angel and Buffy go on a date should be a ding. Eight to eight ten, I believe. Yeah, yeah, eight to ten. It'd be a ding for me. Really? Any interaction between the two? Yes. Oh, that's, that's fair. A... I mean, like, really, their relationship is a toxic, hot mess. But if you're Buffy, I oh, feel like this plus. is a boon for her. You know? So all we do is just see through their eyes. We don't critically engage with how gross Angel is. Yeah, I mean, I guess, honestly... Because I guess that would ruin everything. Yeah, just be like a one <laughs> yeah. all the time. Like, Couldn't They're still the together. Yeah. One. <laughs> he has not started his spinoff show. One. One. 
Uh, Giles level of Giles, eight of ten, three piece suits, polka dot tie, researching through the night. These are all took off his glasses. I think a couple times. Oh, mm-hmm. Exasperated mm-hmm. eye rubbing. Love it. Episode specific. Holy shit! There's another Slayer. Ten of ten. Nice. Because you can't not give that a ten. So that gives it a total of forty four, which puts it at a three of nine for the season. Right above when she was bad at number four, and right below Halloween at number two. Not bad, not bad. For me, at least. What about you, Daniel? Where are you going to put this one? Uh, I'm not going to be ranking this this week. (laughs) That's right. Because uh, we, I rank, uh, I'm out of 137. This is one of those ones that's a two-parter. It's a twofer. I've been spoiled. I don't actually know what happens in the next episode. Really, I don't know. Kendra dies. No, she does not. Okay, so I don't know (laughs) what happens in the next episode. So, it's all up for grabs. Who knows? Yep. Stacia, where'd you put it for the season? I don't know. I'm wavering. Oh, no. I'm putting out 11 out of 21 overall. Beneath the Dark Ages. Whoa. Below the Dark Age and above Lie to Me. Well, that's why you should listen to us next week for What's My Line Part 2. Part 2. Which is a more exciting, better episode than this one. But until then, we're Real Podcasts, and you can follow us at BBPod on Twitter, at BBPod on Tumblr, probably on Instagram, too. We also totally. have a website, which is beatmepod at wordpress.com. Uh, we have a Spotify playlist, if you're into that, which will cover all the music that's used in every episode through the season of the show, as well as every a song from every band that we mentioned during our little news segment with our robots. You can find that on Spotify, beatme-playlist podcast. Playlist? Podcast. What is it? <laughs> Beatme uh, playlist, playlist for po- podcast fun times. Oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Beat me hyphen fun time playlist for podcast fans season two. Uh, and it's a, a shocker why no one <laughs> is subscribed to it. Or <laughs> right. right. Do we go back to the bronze at some point? It's been a long time, it feels like, Ooh, since we've done bronze music. Because like, we're going to do a lot of music from 97, but like Chipamata was the last yeah. like band we've put on from the show. Bring back the bronze. Bring back the bronze. We will see you next week. Station say goodbye. Goodbye. Dan, say goodbye. Sayonara. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. I want to see the Constitution burn. Want to watch the White House overturn. Want to witness some blue blood bleed red. Want to come and leave the KKK. Want to pull and shoot the NRA. On. It's definitely not something you're supposed to be chewing on. Uh, what? Oh, it's from one of the mic stands. Oh, yeah, it fell by my feet. <laughs> I couldn't reach it. Man. Good call, guys. She looks really disappointed. <laughs> oh, this thing got fucked up. I found that all by myself. That was funny. Oh, yeah, it's over there. Round two. Oh, no, it was here.